We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. This morning, someone who's been all around the country at NFL stadiums. Arguably the biggest NFL fan of the world. Well, by some standards, he lives in the UK. He broke the Guinness Book World Record in going to all 32 stadiums in just 84 days. He will join us on the program this morning, Ross Tucker. I assume you having played in the league for many years and now a broadcaster, you have been to all 32 stadiums, I assume, but probably not in 84 days, or is there still one you haven't been to? You know, I I don't do as many NFL games uh, as a broadcaster, as I used to, this is the second year that Westwood One is no longer doing Sunday afternoon games. So I used to do an NFL game every Sunday afternoon. Now instead, I'm doing Eagles pregame on Sundays, and I I do sideline some Monday night. So I've been to most of them. I have never been to Levi Stadium. Is it still called that? The Niners Stadium in San Francisco, Santa Clara, whatever they call it. I, I never keep track of the the sponsor names. I've also, now that I think about it, Dave, I've also never been to the Coliseum. And I guess with the Raiders, I'm sorry, the Rams moving into their new stadium next year, I never will. I'll never be at the, at the, at the uh, Coliseum out there in Los Angeles which is kind of a bummer. I kind of want to go to the Coliseum. I kind of want to go to the Rose Bowl and see those two iconic venues. Rose Bowl, obviously not an NFL stadium. Um, But no, I have not been, if we're talking permanent homes, the only one I haven't been to is the Niners. That is one I have actually been to. I can't believe I've been to a place that you have not. I would love to go to the Coliseum, but only for a college football game. Sign me up for the Rose Bowl, which I have not been to. Uh, You're not missing much with Santa Clara. Great stadium. I love the stadium. Easy access, no crowded lines, huge terminals, lots of food, lots of restrooms, comfortable seating. Love the stadium. Hate the location. It reminds me of the Arizona Cardinals, which is way out in Glendale, when all the action is in Phoenix and Scottsdale. It's just out there. It's kind of out in the middle of nowhere, but it is a beautiful place. Can we do a little rapid fire then? Your favorite place to play of the 31 or 30? Oh, Lambeau. Lambeau. I I mean, it's Lambeau because of the tradition it's Lambeau because you're you're driving through this residential town that could be my hometown of why I'm missing Pennsylvania. And similarly to where my high school field is, the A field, except it's yeah. Lambeau Field. And it's a huge NFL stadium. You're just driving down this back road and all of a sudden it's yeah. just boom. So I would say... Uh, Lambeau for sure. Plus you just know the history and it's a cool stadium too. And the fans are in there like during pregame warmups an hour before the game even starts. It's crazy. Yeah, it is unique. Unlike any other and how you are, he's kind of driving through neighborhood type of feeling. And then there's one of the historic stadiums in all of sports. Cool place. Uh, Least favorite stadium you've played at. Hmm. Oh, that's easy. That's easy. The Raiders. The Raiders. Oh. Oh, no, the Raiders, dude. I mean, first of all, okay, the locker room, away team locker room, I've never seen the home team locker room. The away team locker room is worse than a high school locker room. There's like this, like, substance dripping from the ceiling. The lockers are like this small. The showers don't work. You're walking out to the field 
and there's these wires like hanging down like near your head and you feel like you could get electrocuted. The whole thing could just go down. What? And then I actually played there in 04 and it was the second or third game, Dave. So the baseball yeah. field was still out there. It was still oh, the Jesus, infield in there. And that is like not fun. It's not fun to go down on a baseball, you know, the ground. It's just oh. not, you're not, it's not meant to be played. Football is not meant to be played on a no. baseball field like that. I still have a scar from going down on a football field. There was a slash baseball field. That was in high school. Still have a scar from that. All right. Best crowd. And, I, and I'm talking about most passionate fans you've ever played in front of in an NFL stadium. Ooh, that's a good one. Um, the teams Long that pause. come to mind. What's that? Long pause there. I'm glad. Well, I think for away games, it's the Pittsburgh Steelers. Nobody travels like the Pittsburgh Steelers. But you know what, Dave? I don't think that they're quite as impressive in home games as you would think, if that makes sense. I would think the crowds that jump out to me, probably the Eagles. The Eagles are way, way up there. And I'll tell you what, they proved that again, I thought, Monday night, Dave. I mean, there were five, five minutes left in the third quarter, right before the Eagles scored a touchdown to make it 17-10. I was about to tweet, what are these people still doing here? I mean, it was 10.30 at night. It had been raining on them for three hours. It was 17-3. They were losing to the New York Giants. There was no hope. The Eagles were playing terrible. Carson Wentz could not complete a pass. And these people all have work the next day. And not a single person left. And not only that day, they didn't, not only did they not leave, it was like every time the defense came out, it was like they were more defiant and the fans got louder. It's almost like the Eagles fans would not let that team lose Monday night. The only reason I was still there, Dave, because I was getting paid. If I was not getting paid to be there, I would have been out of there. I'm not sitting or standing in the rain to watch these guys losing by two touchdowns to Eli Manning and the Giants. I was unbelievably impressed by the performance of the Eagles fans. On Monday night, I would say Eagles fans, Chiefs fans, very impressive in a home environment. Um, Seahawks fans, uh, Saints fans. These are some of the ones that, that jump out to me. I have not been to Seattle. My answer was going to be without a doubt in terms of the stadiums I've been to, which are many, easily the Kansas City Chiefs. And, I, and I'm a diehard Bronco fan who has seen and felt and heard some of the loudest NFL crowds you've ever experienced in Denver because they are a passionate base. Nothing like the Kansas City Chiefs at Arrowhead. And part of it is the stadium. Part of it is the elevation. It's almost like straight down. You feel like the noise is on top of you. That is an outstanding, outstanding and loud crowd. But I got to go to Seattle. I've, I've got to get a game at the Lincoln because I want to hear what the home crowd is like there, the 12th man. All right, I'm hoping this answer comes a little easier, and it's our final question. Worst fans you've played in front of? Hmm. Long pause. Yeah. Well, worst in what way? Just worst dead. Meaning... Just oh, dead, nothing. okay. Crowd and volume. Size of the crowd and size of the sheer volume. You know, what jumps out to me for some reason, which is interesting, is the Miami Dolphins. And it's interesting because they actually have a pretty good national fan base. And I think Dan Marino has a lot to say with that. And they actually, like, when they play an away game, there's a decent amount of Dolphins fans there. But... 
when you play in South Florida, and I did several times with the Bills, a lot of empty seats and a lot of the seats that are filled were filled by Bills fans. They're filled by the away team's fans. And so I'd probably say the Dolphins. Miami Dolphins, worst fans. Me, to me, the worst fans I've been a part of, been in front of. Washington Redskins have been some bad crowds, but that may be reflective of the type of teams I've been in front of. Certainly felt a few others from television. Jacksonville wins going away. A lot of fields I'd like to visit, but Seattle's uh, the link on top of my list, as well as Soldier Field is a game I have not been to yet. Ross Tucker still needs to get to Santa Clara, home of the San Francisco 49ers. The 49ers are the favorite team of Jacob Barner, who joins us later in the program into all 32 stadiums and did it in Guinness Book record fashion, 84 days. Uh, are they good fans? Are they bad fans? They're both. The New England Patriots, and that's where we start as we go around the country this morning, with still the top story in sports, which is the Patriots' Spygate 2. The Patriots fans, well, they showed both sides, booing their team at halftime of a, of a game in which they easily could have come back and won a team that's won six rings, and they're getting boos. And then... They harass uh, the loved ones of Patrick Mahomes so much so that they had to be moved to a more secure area. They are mean and nasty in New England if you are an opposing fan, especially now. Now that everyone is circling the wagons and calling the Patriots cheaters yet again because of the allegations of the Cincinnati Bengals that they were filming the sideline, the coaches of the Bengals, at the home of the Cleveland Browns a week ago. And The Athletic reported there was eight minutes of video shot by a Patriots employee in the direction of the Bengals' sideline and of the coaching. Mark Maskey, Washington Post, reports this. The NFL hopes to move quickly in its investigation of the Patriots. A resolution is possible this week. Just got a coffee from my son, Will, off-camera Thank you, Will. Uh, Mark Maskey adding <laughs> one source. One source said a consideration for the league is whether the video shows anything that couldn't be seen on TV or on the coach's tape, Ross. Severe sanctions not expected at this time. A resolution possible by the end of the week. Same organization that has not done a thing about Antonio Brown could rule within a week. Where are you on Spygate 2? It is kind of funny to me that the NFL is already leaking that it'll be a quick resolution and big sanctions not expected. Usually, when stuff like that gets leaked, it's because it's on purpose, because that's what they want the outcome to be. And so I wonder at times whether or not the NFL, I don't even wonder, I think that the NFL does manipulate situations for what they think is in their best interest. You know, think about how long Spygate 1 went, how long Deflategate went, and gathering all of the text messages and electronic communications. How could they possibly wrap this up that quickly? I guess I don't really understand. Someone would have to explain that to me. I will say this, though, Dave. I'm just going to go through a couple of points on the Patriots statement. And I want you to tell me if I'm missing something here, okay? So, blah, 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 blah. While we sought and were granted credential access from the Cleveland Browns for the video crew, our failure to inform the Bengals and the league was an unintended oversight. So we talked about this a little bit yesterday. This is an organization, Dave, that has been sanctioned for cheating multiple times. Multiple times. Spygate and Deflategate. 
no matter what you believe in both those instances, no matter how much you think they did or did not benefit from it or if they even did anything with the Flategate at all, the NFL believes they did, and the NFL punished them for each. If you are the Patriots, we can all agree, and I think Belichick even talked about this recently, you need to be beyond reproach. You cannot have anything that could even be close to any sense of impropriety. So mistake one that they admit to, Dave, is they did not let the Bengals and the NFL know about it. Then they say, in addition to filming the scout, the production crew, without specific knowledge of league rules, inappropriately filmed the field from the press box. So, number two, how do you have a production crew go into an NFL stadium, into a press box, and not make sure that they're aware of league rules? How does that happen? I've also, Dave, never heard of a production crew going into the press box to interview a scout like this. And I've certainly never heard of that production crew then filming a coach or a sideline from within the press box. So now we're starting to get mistake after mistake after mistake, right? Or at least weird thing after weird thing that goes completely against the whole idea of being beyond reproach. Number one, not telling the Bengals and the Patriots and the NFL. Number two, not making sure this production crew knew the league rules. And this is all just from their statement. This isn't even getting into whether or not I believe them or not. Then number three, filming within the press box, never heard of it. Number four, filming the sideline from the press box, never heard of it. Here's what's crazy, too. The production crew is independent of our football operation. Our football staff had no involvement whatsoever in the planning, filming, or creative decisions. I'm confused on this, Dave. Okay. Were, were they not filming the advanced scout? They were filming at first the advanced scout. So he's part of the football operations. They were credentialed together. Don't they on some level, like, isn't the advanced scout sitting next to the production crew? Isn't the advanced scout somehow aware of what the production crew that just interviewed him, that he knows they're interviewing him for this TV show, isn't he somehow aware that they are in there with him and that they are filming the sideline? Like, I don't know how you can say that the football operations had no knowledge, nothing to do with it, when I'm assuming that the football operations is literally sitting next to the guy who's filming the side. Like, what am I missing? It wasn't just the video. It was the absurd lengths to which the Patriots would go to get information on other teams, on their plans, on their playbooks. Orlando Skandrick, uh, he was on with Colin Coward on Fox Sports yesterday and talked about some of the tactics that he remembers well that the Patriots used to do and that opposing teams then had to check themselves. Yeah, that I would say this, that's every team. Like oh, okay. in the sense that in the sense that that you you are not allowed to throw anything away. You don't leave anything in the hotel room. You don't throw anything away. We did have a, a I remember a one coach, our special teams coach, Danny Smith when I was with the Buffalo Bills. He's now the Steelers special teams coach. He actually would recommend putting stuff that was unimportant in the trash, but pissing on it first 
so that if someone was dumpster diving, if they were <laughs> trash diving, they were getting stuff that had nothing that could help them and had piss on it. So that's not just a uh, that's not just a Patriots thing. You are taught when you're on the road in those hotels, you are absolutely taught don't leave anything in the room, any notes, any anything, you know, certainly the game plan or anything like that. So that's not just a Patriots thing, although I'm sure the Patriots, you know, would be up on that for sure. But that's that's any team. They give you these binders. Everything's in the binder. And when you get to the stadium, you have to hand in the binder with everything in it. We got to move on to some baseball, but did you ever pee on the stuff before you left? No, I don't remember doing that, but I didn't yeah. actually do it. But that was what he said he did. He said he would put stuff that didn't matter in the trash can, but piss on it first. It feels like the evil empire is back, back to the George Steinbrenner days when they just outbid everybody million bucks per start for Garrett Cole signing up the Yankees. And if you break it down in just a human fashion, it's $100,000 every day he's alive for the next nine years, Ross. Your reaction to this record-smashing deal? So this is where it gets fun for me, Dave, okay? Because I consider myself, you know, an analyst, whatever, uh, an objective broadcaster, expert, Radio.com insider when it comes to football. Here's my reaction when something like this happens. If the Philadelphia Phillies, my Phillies, had signed Garrett Cole, my reaction would be, yes, that's exactly what we needed. We got Wheeler. We needed another big-time pitcher. That's a lot of money, but it's not my money. He's so worth it. Over 300 strikeouts. Best pitcher in baseball. You got to spend big to win big, baby. We got the hitters. Now we got the pitchers. We're going to win the World Series. I love it. But that's not what happened. Garrett Cole signed with the Yankees. So my reaction is, this is why baseball is stupid. They should have a salary cap. Uh, I hate the Yankees. I hate that they can just spend more money than everybody else. I hope Garrett Cole sucks. I hope it's a terrible, I hope he, I'm not going to say I hope he gets injured, but I hope it's a terrible contract. I hope he fails to live up to it. Starting pitcher, they only last five innings now anyway. What's the whole point of paying a starting pitcher this much money? There's no way he'll live up to it. Yankees way overspent. And I hate it. And I hate everything about it. That is my expert analysis for if he had signed with the Phillies versus signing with the Yankees. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Right now, we're going to talk to a man who is, quite frankly, my hero ross tucker's hero and every nfl fan's hero because he visited every nfl stadium in just 84 days that is a guinness book world record 32 nfl stadiums 84 days it started week one packers bears ended on thanksgiving jacob barner joining us and he is not an american fan he is from the uk jacob 
Good morning to you, sir. Thank you for joining us from across the pond. Explain why you wanted to go on this voyage of visiting all 32 stadiums in 84 days and how you pulled it off. Yeah, good morning. Uh, thank you for having me. It's It was an idea I had maybe about a year ago. I, I've been a fan of the NFL for maybe nine or ten years now. And I, I've always wanted to start going and see like, so many of the old stadiums, Lambeau, Arrowhead, kind of the real iconic ones. And they started building all these new stadiums, which kind of then I would like to go see them as well. And my list of stadiums I wanted to go to started getting pretty long. And I went to my first game in the States last year. So I'm a 49ers fan. Uh, one of my best friends is a Broncos fan. And we said the next time they play each other, we're going to go. And that was last year. So we decided to go. And I was kind of blown away by the whole spectacle of it. I've been to the Wembley games before, but it's a whole different beast out in the States. And so once I did that, I kind of thought it'd be really cool to go and maybe do like a road trip and do four or five games and maybe do that every couple of years until I'd done every state, every stadium over my lifetime. And basically I started looking it up seeing, you know, maybe someone else has done this before. I'm, I'm assuming they have done. And it turned out there was an article about a girl who did it in 2015 and she broke the world record. And when I saw that, it kind of gave me the idea, maybe planted the seed a little in my mind. And a few months later, I decided I'm definitely going to do it. And a year later, I've, I've done it. Well, uh, Jacob, that is unbelievable. Um, I got a lot. I got a lot for you, bro. I want to. I want to start with this, okay? Yeah. Uh, just a quick question: What was the previous record? So the previous record was eighty-six days, ten hours, and twenty-five minutes, and I did it in eighty-four days, three hours, and twenty-four minutes. Okay. Here's the next question. What kind of job do you have that you can just leave the UK for 85 to 90 days during football season? And how much did this thing cost you? <laughs> well, thankfully, I got given unpaid. I, got, I was able to take unpaid leave from my job, which thankfully means I'm back at work now, which is good because of the second question of how much it cost me. <laughs> so... Uh, I don't know exactly, but I think it's roughly in the range of £20,000, which is probably about $25,000, which I'd saved up for a number of years over kind of my, over the start of my career, I decided I was going to save and save. And once I hit a certain number, that was going to be my down payment for a house. And I kind of hit that number around the same time I had this idea. And I was sat with a situation where I was like, well, I could go do the sensible thing, buy the house, or I could go do this instead. And I decided to go do this instead. Wait, what? Dude, Jacob, you put off buying a home to go to NFL games. <laughs> How is that decision feeling this morning? I think it's feeling pretty good. It's feeling pretty good. It was the best three months of my life. No regrets whatsoever. <laughs> So did you? When did you do this, Jacob? Uh, so I this uh, this past three months, really. I've been only been back in the UK for a week and a half. So I started opening night Bears Packers on the fifth of September and finished Thanksgiving and left back for the UK the day after. That is unbelievable. So <laughs> I got to be honest with you, Jacob. I think you're awesome. I think you, what you did is awesome. But it kind of bothers me that a British guy has the record now. <laughs> like it, it kind, it kind of bugs me. We need somebody in the United States to step their shit up. Maybe do it. Do it next year. <laughs> you I'm can be the man sure. to break it. Well, the question is: Does the calendar allow someone to do so? It's not entirely clear. There's not much of a window to top what you pulled off. I've been looking at it uh, since I read your story, and I don't know if it's possible unless somebody has. Well, maybe somebody with the private jet. Now, I'm surprised to hear how passionate you are about going to NFL games, in particular because I've been to a Premier League match. Soccer in the UK, I love the NFL. But in terms of the at-the-stadium experience, I don't think they're even close. I think the NFL is great on TV, but in person, 
How do you compare going to, say, a Premier League or a Champions League match in the UK to going to an NFL game in the US? It's completely different. The, the entire day is completely different. What kind of the Premier League games have going for them is, yeah, the in-stadium atmosphere. It's, I don't know if more passionate is the, is the right word, but it's just, it's completely different. It's, it's probably, it's louder other than a few NFL places. But um, the, the whole day is very different in that there's no tailgating in the UK. And that was such a big thing, obviously, going to NFL games was going to a tailgate at pretty much every single stadium. Um, the fans are separated in the UK. So you have your road team fans, they're all in one section. And the home team fans are all separate. And over, obviously, in the US, everyone's just mixing together. You couldn't, couldn't do that in the UK. It wouldn't end very well. So it's, a, it's completely different. But the reason I love going so much is because I love the sport so much. And I prefer the sport of American football to soccer. And I've played American football in the UK for about six years and coached as well in the UK. And so that's really where it kind of stemmed from. All right, so then here's the question um, in my mind, Jacob. Let's dive into it, okay? I want to yeah. know, first of all, when did your NFL fandom start in the first place? So I think about 10 years ago, I had a really old copy of Madden. I think it was Madden 06. And I just got it because it was really cheap or something, like pre-owned. And I just tried to play it and I didn't know what was going on. I just used to press Hail Mary every time because it looked the coolest and I never won, basically. So I decided, right, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to actually start to watch some games. And the games are on pretty late out here. You know, the primetime games, they're not on until 1 a.m. In, in the UK. So I'd watch them, but I'd just fall asleep after the first quarter because I didn't know what was happening. And then I'd get more and more into it, do a bit more research and then started watching a bit more first half. And then before you know it, I start, right, I'm going to properly watch this and started to get really involved. And then I was looking for a new sport to play over here. And I, so I found a local uh, juniors team when I was about 16, played there for a year and then played right the way throughout uni and coached as well after university. And that was where university was where it properly took over my life. But I was a fan for a few years, fair few years before that. Okay, so you go on this adventure, 32 games, 84 days. Jacob Barner with us. You can follow him on Twitter at JBBFootball. Favorite NFL experience in terms of everything that is at NFL Stadium? What was, what was the number one experience to you of all 32? I think Kansas City. Kansas City, as, a, as an overall day, just where I had the best time, the most fun, it's either Kansas City or Detroit. Just everything kind of came together where the tailgate was great. The people I was with were so good. There was incredible games at both of them. And there were two of the very, you know, two of the loudest stadiums I went to as well. So here's my question. Uh, what do you like in terms of before the game, drinking and eating? Are you very aggressive in both respects or not? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was, I was, well, I think at the start I was more aggressive than I was by the end because going, uh, going that aggressive three times a week for 12 weeks was, uh, started to take its toll on me, especially on the, come the Monday night games where I've been at a Sunday <laughs> game. I've then flown somewhere Monday morning and then I'm getting off the flight, dropping my stuff and going straight to tailgate. So the Sunday games were probably my favorite in that respect because I'd normally had a couple of days to, to chill unless I did. I mean, I did do some college games as well on Saturday. So there was some week at some weeks where I did a game Thursday, game Saturday, game Sunday, game Monday. And those by the Tuesday I was, I was. Oh, <laughs> oh that, that so is a, a lot of, you did, you did some college games, even though they yeah, didn't I count did for the five, record. Five college games and one <laughs> CFL game as well. Dude, you are unbelievable. You're like my idol. How big are you, Jacob? How big are you? Uh, hi, hi um, I'm six, six foot 220. What position did you six. play? 
uh, inside linebacker. Oh, would have right. guessed that. Uh, which, how many, which how many games? Niners games? Sorry, go ahead. Which college games, which stadiums were part of that tour? So I went to SMU while I was in Dallas. I went to Florida on my way from Jacksonville to Tampa. I went to Michigan the day before the Lions game. I went to UCLA before, the day before the Chargers game. And then I went to Penn State on my drive from Cleveland to Philly. Wow. Yeah. Nice. Which one of those did you like the most at the college? Uh, Michigan was really cool. The stadium was really cool. But I, lo- I did love Penn State. Penn State was probably my favorite. I think. Good answer, Jacob. Good answer. I like you even more now, buddy. I love it. Wow. Just took Penn State over the big house. Just took Penn State took you down, Michigan. All right. Who drinks the hardest? Because you you mentioned how much booze you had to put in on that kind of a, a schedule. What fan base? Let's get back to the NFL now. What fan base do you think drinks the hardest? That's a, that's a very good question. That's a very good question. I tell you what, the Colts, the Colts fans, they, they were good. There was, there was shots going off every, I swear, every time I walked past this table, the shot, the shot horn was going off ready for another one. So that was one where I, I had a lot of fun. Um, same with the Chargers. The Chargers fans, they, they, knew how to, uh, they knew how to drink as well. So they're probably my top two and Buffalo as well. They're probably my top three, Chargers, Bills, and Colts. Let's welcome in our good friend Solomon Wilcots from Pro Football Focus, who has all that information on the NFL. But first, Solomon, we got to have you solve the age-old debate. Ross needs some help solving his Christmas tree quandary. And since your Twitter feed is at Solomon's Wisdom, you can help him. He doesn't have much time. He needs a Christmas tree. Is it time for Ross to go fake tree, save that time each and every year, or she commit to real? Which way do you see it? And you know what? I, I know Ross. He's a very busy man. He's Mr. Multimedia, Dave. Kind of just like you. Very little time. So, hey, I, I went about four or five years ago with the pre-lit Christmas tree. And you, it even has the, you could spray it with the real pine smell. So it gives the home that Christmas smell that we all grew up on. And it's already pre-lit. It's the best way to go, no doubt. And the cleanup, there is no cleanup. How about that? There is no cleanup in the after effect. Ross? Sally, do you feel like you've quit on life? Do you feel like China is winning, Sally? No, no. I, I am a man who understands how to conserve time. I know how to delegate to others, and I still know how to get the end game, the end result, the outcomes that I want with streamlining all that entire process of not having to go out, select a tree, put up a tree, and it's safer. Let's face it, it's much safer. All right, let me ask you this, Sally. (laughs) Uh, I have a six-year-old and a seven-year-old, and part of it's like, the process of going to get the tree and, you know, putting the lights on the tree and the ornaments. Would you, if you, I know your kids are older now, but if you were in my shoes, if you were in my shoes, would you go fake tree or would you continue (laughs) to go buy real ones? Because it's like, it's the process of doing it as a family like that. See, now, see, you know me. Now you just tapped into something. And remember, I just said about four or five years ago, I went with the pre-lit tree. When my kids were your kids' age, we went through the entire experience of selecting the tree, cutting it down, dragging it in. Of course, Dad did most of the work, right? So, no, I, I think yeah. there's something to that. I think it's, uh, it's something that you want to share with your kids. And we were able to do that for our kids. But once they went off to college, I went total pre-lit tree. <laughs> All right. Well, well speaking, Sally, speaking of something to that, uh, I wanted to ask you, you know, our former colleague, Tim Ryan, uh, made yeah. some comments recently. He's a color analyst 
for the 49ers. The Niners lost to the Ravens. And he made some comments about Lamar Jackson and uh, and related to his skin and, and all the mesh points and having the brown on the brown. And I wanted to get your thoughts on whether or not you think that there is anything to that and what your reaction was to Tim's comments, having known him as long as you and I both have. Yeah, and you know I have the great respect for Tim Ryan. In fact, I called him last week and I spoke with him. And uh, I, I wanted him to know that I thoroughly support him because I believe in him as a person and as a professional. And, uh, you know, remember when he gave those comments, he spoke about three colors, right? Not only the skin color of the hands of Lamar Jackson, but he also talked about the jersey color. He also talked about the color of the football. And so that's the context. And I think there were others who took that story and made it all about skin color. And that's very unfortunate. And I think what Tim learned, and it's something we talked about, um, is that we do have to be careful with our choice of words, only because it can later be parsed out and sort of carved up, and people can use our words to have it translate into whatever they want it to be. And so he understands that process. I think he understands it even greater today than he did, say, you know, before last, last week. And he is going to offer an apology because I know his heart. I know his mind. I say things often, unfortunately, where my head and my heart are kind of separated. And I have to tell people, hey, credit that to my head and not my heart. This is what I meant. So I think as professionals, when we're working in this industry, we have to understand how our words affect others. With that said, uh, I fully support Tim Ryan because I know him as a person. He's a wonderful professional and a very dear and good friend. So then the only other question I have on that, Sally, would just be, um, were you offended or do you think other people of color have a right to be offended? And because I'm just looking, I know the situation is different, but for an example, if it were like a baseball pitcher who was uh, really pale, let's say, and um, when he threw a baseball it wasn't as easy to pick up a baseball, and someone commented on that. I wouldn't be offended. Now, I know I don't come from an oppressed group or a minority. Like, I know all that stuff. But I wanted yeah. to get your thoughts on that, too. Well, first of all, no, I personally was not offended, okay? Um, I talked with some other friends on Saturday. We were watching college games. Conversation came up. And these guys are professional people. They work at Procter & Gamble here locally. They work at Pro. Ogre. And they and some people at the table were like, well, I was offended. Other people were like, no, I think they should just let it go. Mm. Almost everyone at the table agreed that no way should he lose his opportunity for employment based on what was said. So no one was offended at that level. I think people have a right to feel however they want to feel. But I, I personally believe that we need to have greater understanding and have greater empathy and leeway to be able to express ourselves, but understand that our words do have consequences. So there is a sweet spot. I think you can go too far and be an overly judgmental and overly um, hurt when someone has something to say. But also, I think when you're the speaker, you should understand that your words do have consequences. And we need to make sure that we have great empathy for people on the other side, make sure that our words have good outcomes and not negative ones. So there's a sweet spot to be had without using these terms, political correctness. I think we all ought to get up in the morning understanding how can we benefit society and how might we, how might we affect others in a more positive way and not a negative way. Man, put that on a bumper sticker. That would solve a lot of issues in this country right now. Excellent words uh, from you on that. It looked like Lamar Jackson may have been trolling a little bit, wearing white sleeves for the first time in his career. <laughs> only, only other time he wore sleeves. One other time he wore black sleeves. So look, without a doubt, I think he was trolling those words of Tim Ryan. Talking to Solomon Wilcots, played six years in the NFL, national broadcaster, analyst at profootballfocus.com. It's just 200 bucks a year for an elite membership. Got to check them out. Best information, which we will get to in a sec. Got to get you to weigh in on the biggest story in all of sports, which of course 
is the New England Patriots and what some are calling Spygate 2. Having played in this league, having broadcasted this league, covered it from all angles, do you believe the Patriots' innocent explanation of what happened with the camera crew last weekend, or are they cheating? Yeah, I don't. I wouldn't go as far as to say that they're cheating because that I really, really don't know. Uh, I'm also not going to be gullible and say, uh, no, it, you know, I don't really think there is anything to it. This is an organization who I respect a lot. I respect their owner, Bob Kraft. I respect the coach and Bill Belichick. Um, let's face it, they do things the right way. Now, now, it's also been documented that they are willing to cross the line. You know, I've heard players from that organization say, you know, casually, if you're not cheating, you're not trying. So I do believe that there's something to it. There's no way I'm going to dismiss this as something that was carelessly uh, um, sort of uh, something that we just were doing as an aside that had nothing to do. Why are they shooting a documentary about how to just do your job? And that means you should be shooting your own team doing their job. Why are you haphazardly at a stadium where your team isn't even playing. And it just so happens that the team you're playing the next week, you're shooting the documentary at their stadium. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know. Call me a conspiracy theorist, because I am not that. I, I just believe that if you understand the past, present, and future, that you can connect those things that have a strong understanding of probable outcomes. And the Patriots have been caught with their hand in the cookie jar. That's well documented. Uh, they've won a lot, okay? Let's give them credit. They're good at what they do. So if they're in a stadium with cameras, shooting a team that they're going to be playing the very next week, and you ask me, what is that all about? I would probably tell you all of the above. Sally, you're the man, by the way. Um, <laughs> you really are. Uh, I agree very much with everything you just said. And I played in New England, and I still think that there's a way too many coincidences there uh, in my mind. At, at a minimum, Sally, I would just submit that based on their past history, they should go out of their way to be beyond reproach. And they're clearly not yeah. in this instance. But I wanted to ask you something different, actually, about Lamar Jackson. I don't know if we I asked this the last time or not, but I guess the question is, Sally, do you think how much of his success do you think is as a result of the offense? And do you think teams will be able to figure out maybe it's later this year, maybe it's not till next year, a much better way to defend what Greg Roman, Lamar Jack and Lamar Jackson are doing? You know, I, personally, I think he's changing the game before our very eyes. And I give a lot of credit to John Harbaugh for scrapping the old offense run by Marty Morningwig and allowing Greg Roman to implement an entire new offense and tailor it around the skill set of Lamar Jackson. Um, remember, when he left the field after that wild card loss to the L.A. Chargers one year ago in the playoffs, they were booing him in Baltimore. And all they've done is reinvent themselves. And he has improved in a lot of areas that um, I think leads to the real answer to your question. Is it sustainable? And let's face it, he is making plays from the pocket. He is, uh, he's got the highest grade uh, that we give to a quarterback here at PFL in terms of pass plays from the pocket. He is accurate from the pocket. He's generating positive plays making plays from the pocket. Some of that is coming off play action. But when it comes to his ability to, to throw the ball with great accuracy, timing, and understanding of where he wants to go with it, he is making plays from the pocket, Ross. That part of his game is very much sustainable. There are no, no aging running quarterbacks in our league. You know that. So as he, he grows older, as he maybe takes more hits, maybe that part isn't sustainable. But the part of making plays from the pocket, the part of play action pass and RPOs, I think that is increasingly becoming a larger part of NFL football. And I think he's going to, he's part of it. 
Russell Wilson is part of it. We've seen this with Cam Newton. Here's a much bigger bodied guy now convalescing as a result of being a running quarterback. So we know that eventually the injuries are going to catch up with him if, if he's continuing to run the football as much as he is today. But right now, they have the most explosive offense in the NFL. They have the highest scoring offense in the NFL. And it's hard to argue with. And they do play great complementary football, playing great defense. So right now, they're trending towards an NFL championship. We'll see if they can close the deal. Sure feels that way. Lamar Jackson, the number four overall graded quarterback on PFF.com. Number one, Russell Wilson. Number two, Drew Brees. The surprise when I looked up the grades this morning was number three, Ryan Tannehill, who uh, got blown out down there at Miami and has now won six of seven with the Titans. Nine touchdowns, one pick in the last month. From what you've seen, how do you explain the transformation of Ryan Tannehill with the Titans? You know, Dave, and that's the thing. I went back and I looked and I've been studying Ryan Tannehill over the last week or so. And I went back in Miami and said, wow, you know, when he was there, he had two consecutive years of over 4,000 yards passing. He had three straight seasons of 24 touchdown passes or more. And so we've seen some of this from Tannehill in the past. Um, yes, he's given them. Um, six wins out of their last seven games. He's playing at a very high level as, as a testament to the grades that we've given him here. Uh, but they're doing more play-action pass. He's taking more shots down the field, and his ball placement is phenomenal. They're asking him to participate uh, in a excuse me in a vertical passing attack where he's getting the ball down the field, and he's doing a good job at it. Now, can he sustain it? Remember, he's done this in the past, and we've seen him fall off the cliff. I think that's a good question. Can he continue to execute the way that he is now when the games become more meaningful? In two of the next three weeks, he's going to have to play against the Houston Texans. They've got a chance to win a division title. Let's see if he can get this done in meaningful games, in meaningful moments against a really good football team. I think that's the X factor in terms of what we're seeing with Ryan Tannehill. Hi, everyone. This is Dave Briggs. Thanks for listening to the Home and Home podcast. Remember, you can watch or listen live every day from 8 to 1030 a.m. Eastern time exclusively on the Radio.com app or on the web at Radio.com slash home. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 